Dear God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to come in here and just get to know you more, Lord. We, the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, you are there, so we just welcome you into this place. And we want to feel your presence so strong, Lord. I just lift up Jake as he brings the message and the worship team as they bring the praise and worship. Help us all to grow closer to you in unity and just help our faith to grow, Lord. We lift up the Hayes family as they're going through this hard time. And we bless all the ministries that are going on right now in this church. Jesus, and I pray, amen. We also have a video from Pastor Rick. Hey, good morning, Orchardville Church. Man, we miss you guys so much. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this. I wanted to, to let you guys know that after talking with the deacons, um, I've decided to take a leave of absence for a while in order to be in St. Louis with Sarah and Jackson full time. I need to be with my family. You know, I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from on this, and, and I'm sure you do. Um, so with that being said, you know, what do the next couple of months look like for Orchardville Church? The staff and the leadership teams have been working diligently to put a plan into place so we do not lose any momentum while I am away. Jake Talbert will be preparing and delivering sermons every Sunday. He is a spirit-led man of God, and I have complete confidence in his abilities. You know, please make Jake and his family feel welcomed. I am confident that you guys have already been doing that. The leadership teams are intentionally making themselves available to me and to you, so take advantage of that. Uh, modified youth, you'll be covered as well. Dylan, Audrey, Misty, Cindy, and Aaron will be taking care of you guys on Sundays and Wednesdays. And again, I am confident that they will also do a wonderful job while I am away. In my absence, um, I want to challenge each of you as members of the body of Christ to be intentional with your spiritual gifts to build up the church. I'm only one person out of many. Please, please, please use this time to serve and volunteer if you see a need. You know, please pray. Continue prayers for Jackson, for us, for our church. I pray that we continue to reach, teach, and serve our communities in this time. Ministry doesn't stop because we're over here. We are all the church of Jesus Christ. It's his church, and there is ministry still to be done. Pray for Jake and the staff and the leadership and the volunteers as they serve each week. You know, I just want to thank the staff for pulling together to cover everything while I've been gone. I know it's tough, but you guys are the best around. Pray for our upcoming church camps also. You know, I firmly believe that this will be a fruitful season for the church all around. I also believe God will heal my son and we'll be back with you guys soon as a family. We have one request. Please, please, please keep this community a priority as we take this time away with Jackson. I would ask that you remain faithful in attending and serving and giving and in every other way God calls you to participate in church life. The flesh and the devil may try to convince you to stay home a bit more. Let me be crystal clear on this. That is not what God would want you to do. This is Jesus' church. And as you have been when I've been there, keep up the good work in my absence as obedience to the Lord. I want to leave you guys with Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Sarah and I are praying that our time away is a time of growth for Orchardville Church and for you personally. We know how much you guys love us and bless us. We are feeling that every single day. And of course, we will we're going to miss you guys a ton, and we hope you're going to miss us too. But keep leaning on Jesus and you'll never fall. Build God's kingdom, Orchardville Church. P.S. Keep in touch. We enjoy the messages of encouragement. I'll still be hopping on Facebook to encourage you too. We love you all. We thank you for all you're doing for us and for Jackson. God bless. pastor and your family. Uh, Rick also asked me to add another PS to his PS. 
He's thankful for everyone that's been, uh, had a hand in taking care of their daughter, Brylin. Their beautiful daughter, Brylin. She's been a trooper through all this, and we're glad she's got church family to stay with. So thank you all for stepping up for that. And uh, Brylin, I don't believe Brylin's in here. I'd tease her a little bit. But uh, thank you all for, for stepping up. Rick and Sarah, Jackson, Brylin, we're praying for you, continually praying for you. You know, joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate. It's intentional. Happiness comes and goes. Joy is there. It's deep down in your heart. Happiness doesn't bring joy. Joy is something that's greater than happiness. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. It's an attitude of the heart and spirit. It's following Christ Jesus and pursuing a Christian life. There's joy in that. There's joy in that. First Thessalonians 5, 16. 17 and 18 says always be joyful never stop praying be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for who you for who for you who belong to Christ Jesus we are not defeated we're conquerors we are more than conquerors in Jesus so today we're not going to be defeated we're not going to be beat down we're we're hurting inside but we're joyful knowing the Lord is our Savior and so we're going to lift up praises to the Lord Jesus today. In the house of the Lord today. So Jesus, we just worship you today. You are the giver. You are the author of our faith and creator. You are all in all. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to stand, we're going to worship this morning.
Father. Praise the an hour right now forever praise forever 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 after we leave here we drive off we're praising him we're praising driving down the road we're praising him when we get in our bed tonight we're praising him forever when we die praise 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 you forever i'm gonna live in eternity in heaven forever praising jesus as my savior thanking god that that decision was made now on the earth right now make that decision if you haven't made jesus your savior do it today because you're not promised tomorrow do it today i want to see you there i do i want to see every one of you there there's people i know you haven't committed your life to jesus i know it you have not done it you may be talking it and saying it but you know what i did that for a spell people would say are you saved yeah i'm saved i said preacher said a prayer and I, I you know was, but you gotta make it yours praise Jesus forever forever this is not a this is not a small thing this is like eternity you don't want to miss this you don't want to miss this you don't want to miss this this is the most important decision of your life praise Jesus forever praise him forever and that how you do that is you accept him on the earth today Today's the day of salvation. Anyway, thank you guys for worshiping with us. Uh, say hello to your neighbor. Give a good morning. Give a good morning shout out. Amen. Give it up for Jake Talbert. I thought you were going to preach. You're getting with it, man. I was amen in you. That's good stuff. Can we give it up for our worship team? They did great, didn't they? Well, some of you reminded me that I lied last week when I preached, when I said I didn't have to worry about what you guys thought because I wouldn't be here. I apologize for that. I apologize for lying. I don't apologize for anything I said. Uh, and some of you probably thought, you know, you shouldn't make promises that you can't keep, because here you are again. Uh, I taught with a lady at Sisney who would say that to kids who would, you know, flippantly say, oh, I think I'm just going to go drop out. And she'd just stop them and go, hey, don't make any promises you can't keep. We might all rejoice, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're going to start a little series. I haven't done a sermon series in a very long time, probably about five years. Um, so it's been a while, but we're going to go through and look at the, the life of Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite um, people in the Bible that we read about, and I'm not going to assume that everybody knows about Joshua in here because church is for people who know about the Bible and for people who don't, Right? We need to bring in people who don't know about the Bible, people who are uh, searching for Jesus, who want uh, something new in their lives, right? Something better than what they have. And so we're going to look at, uh, I love that last song there because it talks about God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And that's what the series is going to be about. Joshua's encounter with all three. He encountered all three at different stages in his life. And we're going to start out with the son. Now, why wouldn't I start out with the father? Well, because next week's Father's Day. That's also a healthy reminder for everybody to get your father a gift. And if you don't, you know, times have changed where some people don't know their dad or, or some people have had a dad leave them. If you've had a father figure in your life, a grandpa, an uncle, even a mentor, buy them something. 
Show them that you appreciate them, that you care, and that, you know, you appreciate what they've meant to you in your life. Okay, there's your little life advice today. I'll have more, hang on. Uh, So Joshua, he was a great man who loved the Lord, he loved the presence of the Lord, and he encountered uh, Jesus, even in the Old Testament, okay? Uh, Let's start at the beginning of Joshua's life. He was born into slavery in Egypt. He was born a slave, but he saw Moses come into the picture. God sent Moses to free the Israelite people, and he sent a bunch of plagues on the Egyptians, and eventually Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, decided to let the Israelites go free. And so Moses is leading that charge with his brother Aaron, and Moses needs an assistant, somebody that will be by his side. Joshua is young, he's spunky, and he volunteers to do that. And so uh, he's with Moses and sees all the things that Moses sees, okay? Moses goes up on a mountain to meet with God face to face. Joshua at least goes halfway, if not all the way up there with him, and experiences the presence of God. Eventually, uh, uh, Joshua is one of the spies that goes into the promised land, the land that God had promised to the Israelites. And there's 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb are the only two out of the 12 that say, hey, we can take this. Let's go. We got God on our side. The other 10 are like, man, I don't know. Hmm. These, these people are big and they're strong. They got big cities. And so all the people are swayed to just remain where they're at. And so the 10 spies are punished that they will not see the promised land, but Joshua and Caleb will. Now, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of sermons on Caleb, how people identify with Caleb. You know what? I identify with Joshua because he was on leadership. He was a leader. And so when Moses died, because Moses didn't get to see the promised land either, Joshua takes the baton and he leads the Israelite people into the promised land to conquer and take down the peoples that were residing there and lead the Israelite people into probably the most victories that they had ever experienced and ever would experience in their history. Pretty significant. He goes from slave to conqueror. Ooh, I like that. Now, one of the things that Joshua saw right off the bat when they left Egypt was they came to the Red Sea. Moses, he hits the, uh, he has a staff and he goes like this. The waters part and they walk through on dry ground. So when it's Joshua's turn to take over, they come up to the Jordan River to cross in the promised land. And it's easy for him to have faith to believe that the waters would part and the Israelite people cross over to go into the promised land, the land that was promised for them to have as an inheritance. But once they cross it, he sees this big city that has large walls called Jericho. And it's very intimidating because it seems indestructible. It seems like the task is going to be very large. But he has a moment, an experience that affects him and allows him to overcome Jericho. And let's see that in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. If you have your Bible, you can go there. If you have a device, Bible app, guess what? It's the same word of God. Isn't that awesome? Just a reminder to drink plenty of water this week. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be like 100 degrees some days. I don't know about this. Uh, (laughs) All right, Joshua chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? It's a fancy word for enemies. He said, no, rather I indeed come now as a captain of the host, I'm not, not as a captain, but as the captain of the host of the Lord. Now host means army. He's in charge of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what is my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, 
Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's pray real quick, shall we? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's in it. God, we just ask you to speak to us today, individually. Lead us and guide us the way you want us to go. And show us from your word the truth that we need to hear that will change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when we have an appearance in the Old Testament, this is before Jesus was born as a baby, as a, as a man. And we read last week, if you remember in Philippians, that Jesus gave up his position in heaven to come down to become a man and become an ultimate sacrifice for us. That was the ultimate selfless act, right? But in the Old Testament, we see some, some instances where Jesus shows up. And we know it's Jesus because of a few uh, things, but we call these appearances a Christophany, okay? Here are the few clues that let us know that it's Jesus. Number one, Joshua bows down to him, and Jesus does not refuse it. Other places in the Bible where uh, people bow down to angels, the angels say, hey, get up, you're just like us. Another one is the, the response that he has to Joshua's question, are you for us or for our adversaries? He just says, no. It's the same kind of language that if you're familiar with the New Testament is how Jesus responds to questions with wisdom and, and knowledge that goes beyond our minds. And the third thing is, and I just noticed this yesterday because I finished it up. I, I had a full week of uh, basketball camp and we've had basketball practice and then we had a, a, a shootout over at Fairfield Friday. And so my wife took the kids out of the house and I was able just to get in the word of God and pray and put on some worship music and get these notes ready for today. I have a friend who lives in Fairfield and he, he believes that God speaks to him in dreams and I believe it too. And so the night before, Friday night, I was very tired. I was trying to stay up to watch the NBA finals and well, my recliner got the best of me. Can anybody relate? <laughs> it was a close game too. Couldn't keep my eyes open. I was exhausted and tired. <clears throat> and so I went to sleep, went to bed, went to sleep, and probably about two to three hours before uh, I woke up for the morning and I decided to sleep in. And we know that when you're an adult and you sleep in, that means till seven <laughs> because your kids let you to sleep till seven. Uh, it was a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle from heaven. <clears throat> and so I, I had this dream. <laughs> I had this dream that I was getting the sermon ready. <laughs> you ever think about something that you got to do so much that you dream about it? That's, that's what happened to me. And so I, I saw something in the word in my dream. But then when I woke up and I started studying and, and getting these notes ready, what I had seen in the dream wasn't there. Tricky God, okay? <laughs> Except there's, I missed it. That was the thing. I missed it. And when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's it, okay? Here's the final clue that this is Jesus. The sword is being drawn by this man. It means it's out of the sheath and he's got the sword out. It's like he's ready to attack. That's why Josh was like, whoa, who are you for? If you read the Bible, you know that in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God. And he talks about the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in John chapter 1, John uh, says that the Word, capital W, meaning Jesus, was with God and he was God. You see, he had the word pulled out. He had his sword drawn, and it was the word, man. It was the word. And even now, Jesus has already gone back up to heaven, and he's at the right hand of the Father. And I just got this image yesterday, thinking about it and praying about it. He's got his sword drawn for us. Whatever situation you're facing, he's got his sword drawn. He's got his sword drawn for Pastor Rick. Amen. 
and Sarah and Jackson and Brian. He's got his sword drawn. He's ready. That's the God we serve right there. He's got his sword drawn. So there's three things I want to share with you this morning. That was a little bonus one. Man, I just, I knew that was just the Lord speaking to me when I saw that. Number one, I want you to be refocused this morning. Just as Joshua was was refocused. He was looking at Jericho. He was looking at the problem. And the problem seemed big, bigger than he could uh, come up with a plan to devise. Something, you know, it was overwhelming. And then all of a sudden he lifted up his eyes and he saw Jesus. In our lives, sometimes we get so consumed with our problems that we don't look to Jesus and things don't work out in our favor then, do they? But when we look to Jesus, everything seems to just get where it needs to be, right? Right? Let me give you a couple of uh, stories on this. Because it always seems like we look to Jesus during desperate times, right? We don't look up to him unless we're really desperate. But even in the times where it doesn't seem like we're in desperation mode, we can still look to him. About a, a year ago, I guess it was August, I think I had COVID, I don't know, I didn't get tested. I was really sick, I know that. And for the first time and the only time in the 11 years that we've been married, my wife mowed the lawn. Because <laughs> that's not her job, that's, that's my job. That's what I do, I take care of it. And I've got a little push mower because my lawn's not very big. <clears throat> and she mowed the lawn and, and I was just sleeping because I was just so sick and so tired all the time. She came in, she said, lawnmower's broke. <laughs> you know, the one time I let you do this. <laughs> so the pull string hadn't gone all the way back in. So I get, get out some wrenches. I'm very tired, I'm very sick, and I'm looking at this thing. I'm, and, and of course I noticed that it's metric because our friends in China had made it that way. I had standard wrenches. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to like load this puppy up, I'll go out to my dad's house and get his metric wrenches. And, but I was just like, God, I'm so tired. I am so sick and I don't feel like doing this. And it was probably a day like yesterday, we were sort of warm, not bad, but it felt like 100 degrees to me because I was not quite out of the fever stage. And I felt like the Holy Spirit say, tap on the motor. It's one of those moments, you know, you're outside, you kind of look around. <laughs> Anybody going to think I'm an idiot? <laughs> so, I, take, I don't even remember what size the wrench was. Probably 9 sixteenths. That's the basic one, right? So, just go tap, tap. Whoop. Pull string goes back in. Fixed. And I'm thinking, that was way too easy. (laughs) So I go to start it up. Oh, yep, starts right up. Haven't had a problem with it since. I go inside. I said, mower's fixed. She goes, what'd you do? I said, you're not going to believe this. I took a wrench, and I tapped on it, and then it went in. She goes, I tried that. Anointing of God, what can I say? <laughs> Another time, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Effingham, I think we started at 6.30 on Wednesday nights, and, and we had a worship, little youth worship team, and, and we had these old speakers in our youth room, and, and uh, I was in another part of the church dealing with something. A couple of my youth kids come, in, and they get me, and they're like, hey, you know, one of the speakers has gone out. This is like two minutes before our youth service starts. I don't have time to mess with wires. So our youth room was upstairs. I walk upstairs with these kids and, and a couple of these guys, they're, 
They're good German people up at Effingham, okay? They're good German people, which means they like to do stuff, okay? They are all over it, and they're like, what can we do? Can we pull out this wire? Maybe we can do this. Maybe we can mess with this knob, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh. I walked up to that speaker. I said, sound come out in Jesus' name. All of a sudden, it worked. (laughs) The youth kids were just like, It's those times of desperation when we look to Jesus and he comes through. And maybe you're here today and like Carlin said, you've never given your life to Christ. Everything in your life is in shambles. It's a wreck. Everything you touch doesn't turn to gold. It turns to dust. It's time to look to Jesus. It's time to refocus your life to something that works. Jesus. The second thing we're going to look at here is that Joshua's attitude was readjusted. Anybody else, when you were a kid, did you get an attitude adjustment? (laughs) I received, I know if you knew my parents, then you're going to find this hard to believe, I bet, that I got some attitude adjustments. I remember my mom getting so mad about me playing video games that she took my Nintendo 64 and chucked it out on the back porch. That was a good time. Uh, (laughs) The other day I asked my son if he wanted an attitude adjustment. He said no. I said, do you even know what an attitude adjustment is? He said, yes. It's a spanking. That's right, son. (laughs) It went from, do you want a spanking? You're a smart kid. (laughs) Joshua's attitude was readjusted, okay? Because his natural response to seeing a man with his sword drawn was, hey, this might be somebody who's trying to attack me. So he asked him, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Jesus says, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things to do when somebody asks me two questions and the answer is yes to both. Say yes. And leave it as that. I think sometimes God has a sense of humor, right? No. I'm for the Lord's army. Whoa. You see, Joshua had this attitude that this battle with Jericho was all about him. It was all about his reputation. It was all about how he was going to be perceived. But it wasn't about that at all. It was about God's reputation. And when it's God's reputation, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. And so he had a plan about Jericho that Joshua couldn't have come up with. Because if you know the story, later on in chapter 6, he says, march around those walls and then they'll fall. All right. (laughs) All right. So when we dig into God's word, our attitudes are readjusted as well. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Because when you encounter the word of God, when you encounter Jesus, you can't stay the same. Either you reject him or you accept him. There's no in between. You can't ride on the middle of that sword. It's going to hurt. It's got sharp, pointy edges. God's word will change us for the better or for the worse because if you reject Jesus and you know the truth, I feel very sorry for you. But if you accept him, if you accept what he said, that he's the son of God that came to take away the sin of the world, your life is gonna transform. It's gonna be, your mind will be renewed. You won't think the same thoughts that you used to think. You won't act like you used to act. And sometimes, the people who really got on your nerves, you'll start to love them like Jesus did. And that may spook you like it spooked me. All of a sudden, there's compassion where there used to be hate. He doesn't just take away the sin. He replaces it with something else called the Holy Spirit. And it's an amazing process that you should allow yourself to experience. 
Mm. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Anything you think, say, or do should be put up against this test right here. And you'll know whether it's right or not. It's the word of God. Personally, you know, the word of God slows me down from making rash and impulsive decisions. Sometimes God wants you to go slow and think instead of just reacting. Usually when I just react, I make the wrong decision. Life is better for me when I want his direction, when I take the time to seek his will. There was a time where I didn't seek his will, I was just upset and angry. And it was while I was following Jesus. And I made rash, impulsive decisions that cost my family money, cost us time together, and it cost us just the, the stress of it, of the whole situation was awful. And it lasted for, for two, maybe even three years. If I would just, if I had just taken the time to seek the Lord, if I had just taken the time to know His will, I would have been saved from all of that. But instead, I thought that I knew better. And it cost me. And if you're like me, you've had similar situations. And you learn from them, don't you? Learn from them real quick. But if you haven't had a situation like that, I suggest you seek the Lord for every decision you make. And if you're hurt from people, that's going to happen. Because people are people. We need to have our attitude readjusted. Final thing, Joshua removed his sandals. Jesus told him to remove his sandals because where he was standing was holy ground. What made it holy ground? Jesus. Jesus was standing there. It's simple, isn't it? And by obeying Jesus and taking off his sandals, Joshua is saying that he's humbled and that he's acknowledging that God's ways are better than his. He says, what does the Lord have to say to me? There are times in our lives where we we have to take off our sandals and acknowledge that we're on holy ground. Now, not physically, because nobody wants to smell your your feet. (laughs) They're gross. I dropped my daughter off at volleyball camp a couple weeks ago, and some of my students saw my feet because I was in sandals. And they usually see me in shoes. And they made fun of my toes. I don't know what it is about, maybe because they're on their phones a whole lot, that teenagers are just like naturally looking down. <laughs> like normally I look at somebody's face. I don't know about you. See if they're smiling or not. But you know, teenagers look right at the toes. <laughs> and I have long toes. My dad calls them tingers. They're an act right out of the circus. I can pick something up with them. My back's in good shape because I don't have to reach down. I just meet them halfway. Look at me go. There's some advantages to tingers. These girls made fun of my toes. Saying that I have ugly feet. Well, you know what? My My wife loves my feet. She thinks they're beautiful. That's all that matters to me. That's the great thing about being married for 11 years with three kids, 34 years old. I got nobody to impress, so I really don't care what teenage girls say. You know why? Because if I did, number one, that'd be creepy. Number two, I'm very secure in who I am. I am a man with tingers. 
They probably got little stubby toes. <laughs> Looking like Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Enough about toes. All right. <laughs> we got to take off our sandals metaphorically, okay? <laughs> we don't need that stench in here. Uh, <laughs> here's what that looks like. Before you walk in the door and worship Jesus, you may have some baggage that you need to put to the side. Amen. Emotional baggage, psychological baggage. Whatever you got, you need to put it to the side and just focus on Jesus for a little bit. And a worship team is more than capable of leading you into the presence of God and experiencing him. That's when it's awesome. Because then you're going to get so engrossed in Jesus, you'll forget to pick up the baggage when you walk back out. Come on, man. Somebody, that's good stuff. <clears throat> he is worthy of your undivided attention. He's worthy of it. Oh, man. And he's more than capable of handling any situation you're facing. And you're not going to bother him by bringing that request to him. <laughs> that's the great thing about serving a great big God, man. He can handle anything. And his wisdom and his knowledge are unlimited. So even... If that situation is still staring you in the face when you walk out these doors, he can give you the wisdom to take care of it. This week in basketball camp, we had some kids that were mouthy with some of our basketball boys who volunteer their time. But then they were mouthy with my wife. That's a problem. Basketball boys, they go home to their own house. I don't have to deal with any more of their whining. But my wife goes home with me. <laughs> so we had two more days left. We had Wednesday and Thursday. And I usually get the mic in front of, we had 80 kids, third through eighth grade. 80 of them. And it's just a great reminder of why I didn't go into elementary education because sometimes that age group gets on my nerves. Uh, <laughs> but I love to see the excitement in those kids about basketball and, and see what's coming up, because uh, that's, our, that's our minor league system right there in, in my mind. Uh, anyways, I had to deal with this because these kids were just going to keep mouthing our volunteers all week. I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought, you know, it's one of those times, again, where I was so tired, I knew God would just deal with it for me. So I got the mic, I got up, and I said, hey, I've heard from some of my volunteers who aren't making any money off of this that you guys are mouthing them and, and not doing what they're, what they're telling you to do. There's a folder over there. I have all of your parents' contact info, and I'm sure they'll be happy to come pick you up when I give them a call and say that you're not doing what they're telling you to do because they've paid good money for you to get better at basketball. And they're just trying to help you out. And you're giving them a smart mouth. So, if any of my volunteers tell me that you're mouthing them, I'm going to call your parents. That's what we call a head game. Uh, and the Lord gave me wisdom for it. Just like he has time and time again. You see, Joshua received wisdom for going around Jericho, and it wasn't the wisdom of the world. He went around Jericho once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, they went around seven times, and at the end, they blew trumpets, shouted really loud, and then the, the walls came down. But then all the people that they had yet conquered heard about it, and their hearts melted with fear, simply because Joshua said, what does the Lord have to say to me? Man, that's it. Lift up your eyes, look at Jesus. Let him readjust your attitude. And when he tells you to do something, don't be too good to put it to the side. Will the worship team come back up? We're going to have altar time. I would like to pray for people. 
keep my shoes on so you don't see my tingers. The altar call has three parts. Number one, if you need to be refocused. Or if you've never put your focus on Jesus before. You need to come up to this altar and you need to accept Jesus. Today's the day, as Carlin said. Number two, you need to be readjusted. You may have accepted Christ in the past, but you've drifted away from him. You call yourself a Christian? You may even read your Bible occasionally. But things don't seem to be going right. You need to recommit your life to Christ today. And finally, if you need to remove your sandals, you're following after Christ, you're going after him with all your heart, but your plans aren't working, you need God's plan. And I want to pray for you that you'll receive God's plan and that you'll have the wisdom to carry it out and the resources to carry it out because God cares about every little detail. So as the worship team plays, hey, those things are speaking to your heart. Come forward. I would love to pray for you. I'm going to turn off this mic so not everybody hears your business. And the deacons are going to come up and help me pray as well. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. This is a moment here where you need to let God work on your heart.
Schaf.